0: Decade in Review, Workplace Law in the 2010s. When the calendar turned to January 1st, we not only saw the dawn of a new year, but the beginning of a new decade. It's natural at such a turning point to spend some time looking back on what has transpired in the past 10 years before turning our attention to the years to come. And we've done just that in the area we know best, labor and employment law. We've assembled some of our firm's thought leaders to spend some time recapping the most significant events in workplace law from the 2010s, while also forecasting where we might see things heading in the decade to come. MeToo Movement Perhaps there was no bigger development in workplace law over the past decade than the emergence of the MeToo Movement, with a renewed focus on ridding the workplace of sexual harassment and incidents of sexual assault. Terry Stewart, a partner who moderated a panel on the subject at the 2019 Fisher-Phillips Inside Council Conference, notes that while the phrase Me Too was actually coined in 2006 by a sexual assault survivor, it gained national prominence in 2017 following multiple accusations against high-profile celebrities. Without a doubt, the hashtag Me Too movement has increased attention to the issue of workplace harassment, Stewart said and has emboldened victims to come forward when perhaps in the past they would have remained hidden. And this isn't just anecdotal speculation. The numbers back up her point. Despite a 10% overall drop in the number of charges of employment discrimination, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, EEOC, reported earlier this year that sexual harassment charges filed with the agency jumped by nearly 14% from the previous year. While most employers have spent the last few years upping their game to rid their workplaces of harassment, that doesn't mean the problem has now been solved. A recent study showed that 24% of women still say that harassment is on the rise, says Stewart. Meanwhile, 27% of men say that harassment is decreasing, which means there is still a disconnect out there. Another unintended consequence of the hashtag MeToo movement? An increase in the number of men who want to avoid working with women. Lawmakers have given serious attention to the movement, and states and local jurisdictions around the country have taken steps to address the problem. The two biggest developments, according to Stewart, a number of states have banned confidentiality provisions in employment settlement agreements, and several prohibit mandatory arbitration in harassment cases. There have been over 200 bills proposed across the country relating to harassment in the past two years alone, Stewart says. She says that at least 13 states have limited or prohibited non-disclosure agreements, NDAs, as condition of employment or part of settlement. Ten states have enacted preventative measures such as mandatory training and policy requirements. Five states have extended harassment protections to non-employees. And four states have extended statutes of limitation in order to capture more claims. All these new laws means that you can expect the hashtag MeToo movement to thrive well into the next decade, she says. Equal Employment Opportunity Law Developments in workplace civil rights laws over the past decade were not restricted to sexual harassment, however. We've seen a tremendous shift in EEO laws in the past 10 years, says Randy Kofi, a Kansas City partner who served as management chair of the American Bar Association's Equal Employment Opportunity Committee and currently serves as a council member for the ABA's Labor and Employment Law Section. Perhaps the most significant development over the past decade has been the enormous expansion of state and local laws covering equal employment issues, he says, citing pay equity, ban the box, workplace privacy, and a multitude of other topics. Although it's a terrible burden for employees attempting to comply with workplace laws and rules, especially those with multi-state operations, I think this trend will continue into the next decade. One trend that has swept the nation in the past decade has been the rapid development of workplace rights for LGBT employees. This past decade has seen a sea change in this area, says Kofi. We saw the first two federal appeals courts decide that Title VII sex discrimination provisions cover LGBT discrimination, and now the Supreme Court stands poised to rule on the issue. But beyond this litigation, the steady march of LBGT employment rights in company policies, state legislation, and local ordinances, as well as in terms of public support, has been quite astonishing, says Kofi. Even if the Supreme Court does not extend protection in this area, he predicts that Congress will have to deal with what almost certainly will be enormous pressure to somehow compromise and enact some degree of national statutory protection for LGBT employees. A keen observer of the EEOC, Kofi paid close attention to the agency's systemic discrimination investigations in the past decade. I believe the EEOC will continue to investigate and pursue systemic investigations in appropriate cases in the coming decade, he says. But the cost of those cases in terms of monetary and personal resources appears to have recently resulted in far more judicious assignment of cases for systemic investigations. That trend likely will continue so long as the current EEOC commissioners and general counsel remain in place. Likewise, as to criminal background investigations, some courts have explicitly rejected the EEOC's hardline approach established under the previous administration, notes Kofi. He believes that so long as employers make individualized assessments of any prior criminal history, the risk of enforcement action on this basis has become fairly low. Finally, after a decade under the amended Americans with Disabilities Act, Kofi notes that the statutory requirements and regulations have largely become settled. That does not mean, however, that the ADAAA is not often difficult to apply. He also notes that the EEOC is still intent on vigorously enforcing the statute related to what constitutes a disability, the interactive process, and what accommodations may be necessary so employers will need to continue to grapple with this issue in 2020 and beyond. Pay equity. Pay equity saw major developments in state legislatures, federal agencies, and in the courts over the past decade, says Cheryl Pinnerchik, co-chair of the firm's pay equity practice group, and I'd expect that to remain a hot area in workplace law in the next decade as well. At the local level, states have enacted more robust pay equity laws. There were several common trends among these new laws, says Pinnerchik. She cites to statutes that expand the classes of employees covered beyond gender and those that narrowed the legal justification of any other factor other than sex, under equal pay laws, to a bona fide factor other than sex related to the specific position in question and consistent with business necessity, or similar language. We also saw a bevy of states introduce protections permitting employees to discuss their own or other employees' wages and also prohibiting employers from seeking or relying on salary history when making compensation decisions, she says. But this first wave of new laws isn't the end of it. We are already seeing proposed legislation that would expand these relatively new laws, says Pinnerchick. Some would require employers to establish and disclose pay ranges for positions as well as the factors considered in establishing the ranges, as in Pennsylvania. And others would require mandatory reporting of employers of a certain size as in Massachusetts. Until there appears to be a meaningful reduction in the wage gap, we're likely to continue to see states amending existing laws and passing new ones, she says. The action over the past decade wasn't confined to the states. Federal agencies also got in on the act, in a big way. The EEOC made equal pay protections one of its top enforcement priorities of the 2010s. Of course, one of the biggest stories from the past decade was the revised scope of the EEO-1 report to capture pay data, an effort that was temporarily scrapped by the Trump administration before being revived by a federal court. The current EEOC has signaled that it will blunt the impact of the pay data collection in the future. However, as it announced it would once again shelve the effort in 2020 and wasn't sure if it would use the data already collected. Instead, says Pinerchik, the agency recently announced plans to unveil a new pay data collection plan that would be less onerous, and we'll be keeping our eyes open for that one. The other federal agency targeting equal pay was the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, OFCCP, overseeing federal contractors. Like the EEOC, the OFCCP said equal pay is a critical issue for workers and their families and a priority of OFCCP's Equal Employment Compliance Assistance and Compliance Evaluation activities. However, it already announced that it would not use any of the pay data gathered by the EEOC in this year's expanded collection efforts for enforcement purposes. Agency leaders said they don't expect to find significant utility in the data given their limited resources and the aggregated nature of the information, says Pinnerchik. Finally, the past decade saw a lot of pay equity action in the courts. There has been a dramatic increase in litigation under federal and state laws, says Pinnerchik, particularly as collective and class actions. She notes that there have recently been some multi-million dollar settlements reported across the country, which means we aren't close to seeing the end of the pay equity trend as we close out the decade. Affirmative Action and Federal Contractor Compliance Speaking of the OFCCP, when Cheryl Beheimer, chair of the firm's Affirmative Action and Federal Contractor Compliance Practice Group, looks back on the 2010s, she has one immediate reaction. What a difference a decade makes. The past 10 years have seen dramatic developments in the workplace laws covering federal contractors and subcontractors. According to Beheimer, several of the biggest changes include the Obama White House amending Executive Order 11246 to add sexual orientation and gender identity as categories expressly protected from discrimination by federal contractors, and adding paid federal sick leave requirements, even for part-time employees, to contractors covered by the Service Contract Act or Davis-Bacon Act. Beheimer also notes that the OFCCP added a pay transparency posting and notice requirement prohibiting contractors from preventing employees from discussing and sharing pay information. By implementing these changes, the previous administration had quite a profound impact on federal contractor workplaces across the country, she said. The current administration might not have made changes quite as striking as these, but the federal contractor watchdog remains busy. The OFCCP recently emphasized a new agency focus on transparency, Beheimer notes. In fact, it added an ombudsman role to provide an avenue for contractors to work through any issues they may be having. She also points out that the agency now offers early resolution procedure options to make life a little easier for contractors and aggrieved employees, while continuing to focus on compensation disparities which has resulted in recent record monetary recoveries one big change that emerged in the past decade, but then fell away, were the so-called blacklisting requirements. A proposed rule would have required companies bidding for federal contract work to disclose administrative determinations, arbitral awards and decisions, and civil judgments issued against them. Those with serious, repeated, willful, or pervasive violations were put at risk of being denied federal contract work. Introduced in 2014 by the Obama administration, the rule was blocked by a federal court in 2016 before the effective date and then completely swept away by executive order in 2017. Might we see a reemergence of these rules in the next decade? It all depends on the next few federal elections, Beheimer says, so we'll keep a close eye on those.